Good evening from Plunkett Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 467 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. Today is May 21st, 2017. And this week, Facebook's developed a little twitch. WhatsApp has cost another hundred plus million dollars and Sirius XM might want to open Pandora's box. Wherever you are and however you're joining us this evening, thank you for making us part of your day, whether it be on uh, Facebook, iTunes, the podcast play app in the Windows Store, um, the Google Play Music podcast app available on Android, um, our homes on live stream Stitcher and Facebook Live, or of course on our apps, pluggitslive.com slash apps, available right now for the Windows platforms in your life, and of course uh, more devices coming very soon, including the Xbox One, which we're very excited about. Um, thank you for making us part of your day. Um, there are a couple of ways that you can join us. You can, of course, join us live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. From there, uh, you can join us on Facebook or on live stream. Uh, the great thing about joining us live is that you can chat with us in the studio as we talk about our topics, which Avram and I both love. Uh, we love to get feedback while we're talking about the different topics because uh, it really does make it more of a community feel, which we like. Uh, but of course, if you're not able to join us live, that is okay. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows by going to, um, what, f5live.tv and uh, clicking the subscribe button on the menu, depending on where you are, whether it be uh, on mobile or desktop, it, it's in a different place. So if you click on subscribe, you can uh, subscribe to F5Live, The Pilch Point with Avram Pilch, our special events feed, which is about to get a whole bunch of interviews from Collision, uh, in the, the very near future, um, or uh, our unboxed series where we show the products that we're going to review. Uh, what else have we got? We've got First Looks, which will be back uh, a little later in the year since First is currently taking a break, and uh, a number of other series as well, all available there. Um, if you are joining us live, you might notice that uh, the show looks a little different this evening. That is because... Uh, before we went to Collision, we made some pretty major studio upgrades, which we're pretty excited about. So if you're watching us live, um, you're not seeing the TV in the studio anymore. You're actually seeing uh, Avram and I split screen, which is wonderful. It'll make all of this a whole lot easier and a whole lot better. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, it's one of the things that people have been asking for for a little while is to be able to see Avram better. So if you're watching live, congratulations, you can see Avram better, though he might be frozen right now, which is okay. Uh, that happens from time to time, and he usually, uh, there, see, there he goes, he usually comes right back. <laughs> so It's at this time of the show, every time, like 10 minutes. Indeed, usually oh. about when I start talking about you, it's <laughs> huh. when things... Just freezes me cold. It is what it is, it's okay. Um, so, I think that's the spiel, but if you're joining us live, enjoy... The, uh, the new studio setup. Hopefully it will continue to work um, and it won't continue to cause uh, freezing issues. I'm hoping that's not what's happening right now. 
if it is, we'll obviously have to make some changes before next week. Um, anyway, uh, so that's that. So it's been a couple of weeks. Abram, how have you been? Good, good. Experimenting with some things, you know, which is always cool. So I got my office a little bit cleaner, so I was able to find some <laughs> things. So check this out. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, so, you know, we we put up, you know, this has been a thing. People have been talking about it. And I had this idea because I've been trying to fool with things. Could I actually fix, create the ultimate laziness by motorizing the fidget spinner? <laughs> so <laughs> I bought a fidget spinner. Unfortunately, I lost the cap here, but that's okay because you can see through that the motor is actually coming through. Sure. Now, what I'm trying to figure out, and this is where I could use the help of you and or the audience, okay. is how I can actually find a way of like mounting this motor so that it, something holds it still. Because this works fine as long as I hold it. Right? See, I've got a little <laughs> battery box there. Sure. So, as long as, I, as long as I'm holding this motor still, the thing will turn. But if I put this on a table and I'm not holding it, it will, uh, it will just like the motor will, will, the motor will vibrate too sure. much and not the, not the object. Yeah. So, I've been looking all, around all day to try and find something where you could actually get something to like hold a motor like this still on on a table. Uh, a weighted project box. A weighted project box. Yeah. Put something else in the box to to weight the bottom or. Uh, but like what would clip onto this huh what would clip onto the, the dc motor uh just uh uh cut a hole in the plastic side of the project box and put the motor through it and let the metal side of the project box be the downside so it'll have a uh, uh, downward counterweight huh could you send me a link to something you think would do it absolutely but uh, i had to get exactly precise hole right because yeah other, otherwise it would fall through absolutely and this, this doesn't, I mean, I could get a different motor or whatever, but this doesn't seem to have any screw holes. Yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to do it uh, kind of squared off like the, the body of that motor is. But you could do it. Yeah. There, there'd be a way to do it. It would actually be kind of fun to, to set that hole right. <laughs> well, see, that's why I kind of like... There's got to be other options, too. Because, you know, we were having discussion at work the other day, like, wow, this is such... The, the term fidget spinner, you know, we keep an eye on search terms, what's sure. trending. Yeah. We have a guy who's actually, that's one of his main job functions. And so he noticed the other day that the term fidget spinner has actually over, become the number one term on the internet. That's um, terrifying. So, so we're like, what could we do with fidget spinners to, to get some people to do something about it? And I had this idea. I was like, well... <laughs> What if I did like a, you know, like a maker thing and I actually took a fidget spinner and I motorized it. <laughs> so I've gotten part of the way there and actually getting a motor to sure. work with it. I mean, this actually wasn't very hard. You know, I, all I had to do is drill a, drill a tiny hole in the, in the cap because, you know, there's a cap on the, the fidget spinner. Yeah. So it's easy enough to just. Right. right. Um, but. To actually fix it, I'd kind of like to have... I mean, I could do it this way, put this on top. Although I'd rather... Eh, either way. So I guess like the box would be below it, basically. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure we bored the audience out of this. But once I get it fixed, 
I will bring it on again. Excellent. And you will be amazed. <laughs> amazed, I tell you. <laughs> That's a fun little project. I enjoy that. Um, I you will definitely. I'll definitely send you a link to what's like in that. my head. Yeah, we would. I've been doing several projects like that. I built a Raspberry Pi web server the other day. How did that go? I saw that you were talking about that. Excellent. Excellent. Glad I had a little it. bit, of, you know, a little bit of a learning curve and a little bit of an annoyance curve in terms of like just how long it takes to download to oh. like download an update or a piece of software on it was taking like two. I wanted to download an update. It took like two hours. Yeah. It made like Windows update look like speedy. Uh huh. Um, but um, this is something of some relevance to those who who read our reviews at Laptop Mag and Tom's Guide, where I'm the editorial director. The, uh, we're revamping our battery test after like nine years. Are you? And so one of the things, so the main thing that we're doing to it, our battery test has always been um, web surfing over Wi-Fi. And it's going to continue to be web surfing over Wi-Fi. But one of the things over the years that we've gotten some feedback on is, gee, you know, you're surfing real websites on the real Internet with your test, which is what it does. It surfs like 60 websites on the Internet. Um, you know, and it keeps going till the battery dies, and we do that at 100 nits brightness. So, um, one of the criticisms that we've gotten, comments we've gotten over the years as well, you know, you're visiting CNN.com as one of your websites. What if they have a different news story on there when they did yesterday? Well, then, you know, the content is slightly different. I mean, I don't feel like that's a big deal, but, um, you know, there's, it, it gets, so, Instead of hitting um, those live sites, I created 15 like static 15 web pages that will never change, and some of them are now videos and actual WebGL apps. Got it. Um, which weren't in the test before. Sure. Um, and I and instead of putting them on the internet, I put them on a local server so that our office internet connection. Mm-hmm the strength or weakness of it at any given moment is not part Relevant. of the test. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. anyway, so that's why I needed to make a raspberry Pi web server. Gotcha. That, that's actually a pretty cool, uh, usage for it. I can't wait to see if there is any variation to the results because the results actually, so we've been running it for two weeks now. Wow. Okay. Uh, we haven't officially rolled out into reviews, but we're running it. We've been testing the test for two mm-hmm. weeks now. So, cause that's part of what you got to do obviously yeah. is not just make it, but like run it a million times. Oh my God. Yeah. Just to make sure to see mostly how consistent is it from one time to another? Not, is it better or worse than higher or lower battery life than the last test? Um, so it's been pretty consistent. Good. So I, we're going to, I cannot tell you how many times I ran the Windows Phone version of of your test before handing it over to you. Now, that being said, you know, we still have to and may actually need you to program that again. Well, if there's if we end up reviewing another Windows phone. Um you know, um you know, for things that are like 4G like phones mm-hmm. that we're still gonna have to test them on the internet. Sure, but we have a server. But we will be using the same web pages. We have a a, a, a web a web server that also has the same static pages on them. So yeah. we can't avoid the internet for testing 4G. That's no, because like, that would be crazy. That would be inappropriate. You know, you know so you know we're not gonna like Wi-Fi test phones. 
but for laptops and tablets, uh, this is what we're going to do now. That's so, cool. Anyway, that's a long story. That's a short story long, but for that reason, I needed to make a Raspberry Pi. Website. Well, cool. I look forward to, to hearing how the, how the testing goes, and I, I can't wait to see it uh, integrate into reviews. It'll be cool. And one thing, that, one thing that the audience will absolutely see as a result of this is that we did a, I'm going to be publishing the results probably on Monday. Uh, we did a browser face-off because the results are so consistent. We felt that really good about doing a browser, uh, um, you know, trying yeah. Chrome versus Edge versus Firefox. Sure. Um, and uh, they'll see the results of that, which one had the longest battery life. Nice. Well, well, that's cool. Um, we'll have some topics to talk about then in a future pilch point. Yep. Excellent. Um, for now, let's get into some news, and we'll get to talk about uh, some slightly older news because it's been a couple weeks since we've done a show. So yep, it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of fun. We're gonna do a little bit of time traveling during the show tonight. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. We'll talk about it in a little bit, but you can pre-order uh, right now the new uh, Surface laptop. Uh, if you want one, you will want to pre-order it quickly. The configuration seemed to be going very fast, but uh, if the Surface laptop is not for you, you're looking for the 2-in-1, the Surface Book is not going anywhere, the Surface Pro 4 is still available, with some uh, deals right now because we might see a five here in the, the near future. And of course, there's more than just computers. There's the continuum devices like the HP Elite uh, X3 that's sitting in front of me right now, which is also my phone back here, which is wonderful. Um, you can get the Xbox One S right now uh, with deals always running on the Xbox One S. You can get non-Microsoft things. The HTC Vive uh, headset, you can get all kinds of uh, partner deals and software and everything by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. I want to say before we move on that I've been really mean to this this new HP, and uh, I am surprised at how how well it works. I was a little afraid that it was going to cause some problems, but it has not, which has been nice. Um, anyway, so let's talk not about Microsoft, uh, because this week was uh, Google I.O., and uh, one of the things that they made a big deal about on the Android front, they talked... You know, the normal kind of semi-mundane Android-y things. The Android O and... Uh, what? But one of the things that, that I found both fascinating and a little bit annoying, um, not so much in Google's handling of it, but in the press's handling of it, and you guys know I can't leave uh, stories alone when the press doesn't understand what's happening. So... <laughs> Um, Google announced what they are calling Google Play Protect, which is a um, an AI-powered uh, protection system. It runs on both the, uh, the server and on your device. Uh, on the server side, it's supposed to scan uh, apps as they're submitted by developers to make sure that they are 
that they do not have any inappropriate behavior, which I thought was a strange quote. Um, inappropriate behavior doesn't have a definition behind it. So, uh, and then on the device, it will scan on a regular basis your apps both from Google Play and side-loaded apps to make sure that there's no inappropriate behavior. And depending on where the app came from, it'll either disable or alert you. Because if you side-loaded it, maybe what they consider to be inappropriate is exactly what you were looking for. But they'll at least let you know, hey, this is doing something that uh, may not be advertised. Um, so that sounds great. Of course, Google needs to deal with the... Uh, kind of cesspool that is the Play Store. Um, we've talked a number of times that, you know, bad stuff ends up in the Google Play Store um, on a fairly regular basis because Google, unlike Apple and Microsoft, doesn't do any real uh, app testing when it's submitted. Um, so this seems sounds like a solution to a problem until you know that this has been running for years and they're just giving it a name and telling the public about it now. Oh, so um, hopefully since it is AI powered now, it did not used to be AI powered, it is now. So maybe it'll learn, right? Some things that are uh, inappropriate, new things to look for. But the problem, and tell me, Avram, if you feel the same way, that the term inappropriate behavior is so generic what do they consider inappropriate behavior because i think a flashlight app that requires internet access and my contacts is inappropriate behavior but does this well i guess we'll have to find out right <laughs> right um and the question is are they going back to older apps to that they've already approved before they had this program in place well at the very them out at the very least it'll run on the device, so maybe um, as you download them, it'll still kick it off your device. Oh. But, oh. And, and maybe it'll report back that it kicked the app off the device and a couple of those, and maybe uh, it gets pulled from the store. But we do know so, that there was a major app purge recently. Perhaps this is how they determined which apps were part of that purge. So, but here, here's a question. Sure. At one point, Android had the ability which i think they turn off for reasons i well i kind of understand but don't necessarily agree with sure uh the ability to when you installed an app to actually like to decide exactly what permissions you wanted to give it mm -hmm. if it was a flashlight app that wanted your contact list you could just say no right now your only recourse is to un it's to just not install the app yeah yeah i don't i don't know why Obviously, that's for me, that's an annoyance because I see people all the time installing apps that because my mother doesn't know or doesn't think to go look at an app and what it's going to ask for before she installs it, at least with. Uh, um, well, I guess with Android, one of the things that I do like is that there's a big dialog box that comes up before you can download it if there's. Uh, sensitive requests, contacts, and things like that. It does come up with a dialog box. It goes, hey, so this app is going to want to know about these things. Are you sure you want to install? One thing that's a little weird, though, is the developer also doesn't, as far as I can see, doesn't really get an opportunity to explain why it needs that. True. 
like there might be a legit reason like some of the things you know some of the things like oh it says access to your contacts might actually mean you need you want to be able oh this is an app and it has a share button and you want to be able to share stuff right so because Android... I mean, I'm not sure if you actually do if that actually is does need to access your contacts or that just goes straight through the sharing function but you know there could be things like that right where it needs to help you in some way absolutely and wouldn't it be great if you could put in an explanation for right. for each uh, um, what it, what is it sense it's not sensor I don't remember what Android calls it uh, but for each permission that they ask for, wouldn't it be great if the developer had the option to put text in there that says, here's why we're asking for access. Here's why your flashlight needs access to the camera because that confuses people. Right. Exactly. But that's because it's using the led light. For exactly. The camera, right. right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, right. So, so if people didn't know, which I who could blame them for not knowing. Right. That, because you know, unless you understand how the hardware works, that seems bizarre. You know, you might think, oh, this thing's really surreptitious. It's going to start taking pictures of me or right. things, sending them back. It's, well, that sounds that sounds evil. Right. When then you realize actually the light that it's lighting up is the flash. Right. And it's and all part it makes... it's all part of the camera API. And if you don't access the camera API, you can't turn the flash on. Yeah. yeah. Now, of course, you could somewhat blame Google for that because they also could have just made a flashlight API. Sure. Or they could have built Flashlight into the operating system, considering how many apps there are to solve that problem. Haven't they now? Isn't it in the Uh, system tray now? It is. Okay. So actually, it kind of, you know. But but I'm just saying, like, at this point, you don't need it. Because, yeah, my new phone, which has Nougat, I didn't know if that was a Samsung thing or a Google thing. I think it's a Google thing. Because I think I've I've got a Motorola and an HTC that both have it, too. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, but obviously that's a that's always a good example of an app to talk about, uh, because you know why would a flashlight need access to your contacts? <clears throat> um, but yeah, they've built it into the operating system now, which eliminates that particular concern. But you know, like you said, uh, uh, a game wants access to your contacts. Why? Because uh, uh, not Candy Crush. What is it? The Farmville. Farmville wants to send out things to your friends so that you can get things in game, right? You may not know that if you've never played the game. Right, exactly. So, you know, anyway, I hope that they, I I think this plan is nice, but you're right. Google, uh, that's not the only instance of Google actually uh, in their keynote talking about something as if it were new, uh-huh. but it's not. Right. Um, and... You know, as a journalist, this is actually somewhat difficult for me because we want to report the new things and we don't want to report things that are not new. Right. Because then it's not news. Right. right? So it, it can be difficult at times when you go to a press event, they're talking about something like, yeah, yeah. And then you realize, actually, if I had been actually silly me, I should have known about this like three months ago, but it wasn't that prominently announced or right. I wasn't following the particular small thing where it happened like another thing that google announced and i won't belabor this point but my uh, my colleagues and i were were really uh, incensed by it until we realized it's been around for four months <laughs> we're still incensed by it but it's like 
wasn't as newsy sure. was Super Chat. Okay. Um, which I think I mentioned we were offline. Yeah. Uh, Super Chat is a feature of YouTube where of YouTube like live streaming where if you're a fan of a particular YouTube celebrity and they're live streaming and you're in the chat, you can pay a certain amount of money, at least $5, and I think some of them can go up to $100 or, or more Jeez. Uh, to have your chat stand out in, a, in bold and be pinned to the top of the chat room for the duration of, presumably for the duration of the... Uh, of the stream, like what happens oh. on non-live the the featured comments, but oh. for live stream it would basically be a paid featured comment. Yes. Okay. I, I didn't even realize that you could do that on non-live. So. Um. Yeah. Uh. I a couple of our CES videos have featured comments on them. I don't know where they've come from, and I've certainly not gotten paid for it. So it must just be Facebook or what's their name? YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> deciding that a particular comment makes sense in context and featuring it. But so uh, in, but I don't think that happens in live. So you must have to pay to be featured in live. Yeah, that's the thing. So now you're going to have to pay. It's so apparently it's existed, but okay. So it's, so it's not a new feature, right? Okay. But they're adding it to something else. Like, Got it. I think there was some nugget in there that like, it was already around, but now they're adding it to the mobile. Now you can see them in mobile or something like that. It's Got like it. it's coming. It's expanded in some way. Got it. Um, of course, there's a great controversy about whether or not that's that's terrible. You know that someone can pay to have their thing stuck to the top, like Facebook uh, testing, uh, paying a hundred bucks to ensure that Zuckerberg received a message. Uh. The thing that concerns me about that, and you know, I'll leave it at that because I really don't know 100% how it works, is sure. what stops somebody from using that for advertising? Uh huh. Exactly. Because like, if it's if it's five bucks and it's a popular stream, that seems like a great. That's a bargain. Uh, yeah, sounds like a great ROI. Yeah, that's a bar. That's a bargain. Even if you can't put a clickable link in it. Yeah. You know, that's a great ROI, and who's screening it, and like, how are you not going to end up with Viagra spam or something like that? Absolutely. Pinned to the top of your stream. Or uh, uh, competing streamer spam. Yeah, that too. So that would be that would be one of the many concerns. But anyway, point the point I was trying to make is that yes, Google announced announced several things that were not exactly new. Yeah, um, but the my. My obviously my concern with the super chat is that there's a whole kinds of ways that it becomes worthless real quick. Um, and my concern with uh, with play protect is that perhaps um, people are gonna think that the Play Store is more privacy focused than it used to be when it may or may not be. That's I guess that's the thing to take away from this. Just because they made an announcement doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting something new out of it. You know what? I, I think Google's. I, I've said this for years, and I think I'll stand by it. I think Google's taking has taken the right approach with the Play Store. I think better to err on the side of give, empowering the developers to create different kinds of experiences than to err on the side of, well, we're going to keep everybody safe by sandboxing everything so much that you can't create certain types of utility software because they would access something that they shouldn't. Sure. Or, or whatever. So um, I, I think 
I think their approach, I'd rather have the freedom and the responsibility that comes with it of making sure that I've downloaded a safe app than um, live in a walled garden. I definitely like the idea that the the APIs are far more open than the other two platforms, but I think with that comes more responsibility on Google's part to test the apps before they to look for malicious code before they release them, and they're the only ones that don't look for it at all. So I, <clears throat> yes, I totally agree that I like that the Android APIs are so wildly open, but I think by making that decision, they should have made the decision to be more proactive on, on the store side. Obviously you're never going to protect everything. Uh, iOS had a, had a, a, uh, an app worm, uh, what, two months ago, which is mostly unheard of. Uh, cause they like, they're the, they're the structured ones of the three. <laughs> Microsoft kind of lives in between the two. They let kind of crap into the store that Apple would never allow, and then Google just go. So, whatever. They've each taken their approach. It's Each seems to be happy with what they're doing, and Google has recognized that there are problems in their store, and hopefully by adding AI to their submission process, they're, they're going to try and uh, solve some of that issue. That's, that's my hope, is that the new AI-powered thing is going to to help and maybe that's where those what was it 300,000 uh uh rescinded apps came from maybe the ai went no this is inappropriate so we'll see in the future obviously if we see less uh malware stories it'll, <laughs> it'll mean that that this thing is is working well for people so fingers crossed right This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products, the headphones that are on my head right now, the Monster Elements, available right now in a variety of colors in both on-ear and over-ear styles. There's uh, the ROCs that are available in in-ear. There's uh, sports headphones and Bluetooth speakers from the little tiny hotshot to the big Monster Blaster, uh, all available. And then, of course, the cables to hook them and the rest of your home entertainment system up are all available by going to plughitslive.com slash monster. And that music means that it is time for the Pilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Avram Pilch. Avram, we have got some stuff to talk about. Yes. So this is a big time for Microsoft. Yes. This has been a big time for Microsoft because a few weeks ago the company announced not only a new laptop is coming, the Surface laptop, but that which is different is, from the Surface Book, which is different than the Surface Book and the Surface Pro because it is not a 2-in-1. It is exclusively a laptop. It is very lightweight, very attractive looking laptop. Uh, and it only, and it has 
Alcantara thread on on the ba- on the uh, on the palm rest, which is you know you don't normally get thread get a material surface on a notebook. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say I don't even I don't even know what that means. The the most exciting thing that the th- thing that I got most excited about was that beautiful blue color. <laughs> yeah, the blue color is nice. It's very unfortunate that you can't get it in the base model. You have to spend, I think you have to spend at least 1300 to get it with the blue. Um, yeah, and um, I, I don't know if it's because the models are sold out or what the situation is, but you also can't get it in a Core i7. Hmm. I think it may only be a certain config. I know we did a story on this. I think it may only be, it's certainly not the base and it may only be a certain config, there was, which is very last night. There was when I was, when I was finally looking, cause they announced this while I was on air at collision. I just haven't had a chance to go wandering around yet. There was only one. It was an I five with eight gig and two fifty six. So the other thing about the Surface Laptop, and a lot of people are very excited about the Surface Laptop because it's lighter, it's cheaper, it's got this attractive look and these attractive colors, and plus it still, it still has the, the awesome Surface screen. It, it seems almost a little bit like, if you think about it, like a, a Surface Pro where the keyboard and the screen are glued together and there's like a weight below the below the keyboard with some ports in it. Okay. You know, I mean, conceptually speaking, like sure. it doesn't look exactly like that, but yeah, because yeah. um, it seems to have the same screen, um, and, and the screen on the Surface Pros and Surface Books is is awesome. Like you know, no one can can deny the color, the the brightness, really good. Yeah. High res though, not 4K. Was it like 3200 by 18 something? Yeah, something like that. Um, but. Um, you know, so it hasn't, we haven't gotten to review it yet, but, uh, we did get to, we not, not me did get to look at it. Um, my boss and a couple of people did get to actually touch it. Um, and they, they liked, they liked it from that. Um, I think the interesting question though is about windows 10 S. Yes. So part of what's, what's happening now is, um, with, the the surface laptop and a lot of people including many of my colleagues are thinking of the surface laptop as oh is it for you know do i want this but really microsoft's marketing it to students that's that's who they're marketing it to yes and and this was part of the announced as part of their education initiative and so is windows 10 s i think the s is for school but uh i think you're right right? for student student Um, or something like that yeah uh so Windows 10 S is is Windows 10, but you can only install Windows Store apps. And so that's kind of a controversial thing because there's a lot of apps that you can't get as a Windows Store app. Windows Store apps have certain limitations, certain like, you know, we were talking on the previous segment about Google and how their APIs are more open. Well, the Win32 APIs are much more open than what you do for Google Store, you know, for Windows Store. So though, though it's important to note that Win32 apps can be published through the Windows Store, and if they're published through the Windows Store, 
Windows 10 S can install them. So there was an interesting story that I read. Um, this is, you're talking about the Centennial app program. Mm. So my understanding is to become like a, a, a win, a win 32 app in the, in the store, you have to go through a conversion process or something called windows Centennial. Um, and there was a story which I got to send you because somebody I know was asking this where they'd actually interviewed a whole bunch of uh, smaller developers about why they hadn't used Centennial to get into the store. Um, and they had a variety of reasons that sounded somewhat compelling, like their app wouldn't convert exactly or they would actually, I mean, those who sold it would lose money or, you know, they'd, now they'd have to support two versions um, or it was somewhat at odds with the open source nature of the app. Um, hmm. I don't, so, I don't know anything about Centennial, um, but I have talked to people who have just in now it may have to be, a um, a windows forms or a WPF app. You may not have been able to build it outside of Microsoft's tech to be able to, to install, to upload it direct. But I know people who have just existing apps that didn't have to go through any process to put it in. Yeah. I, I, I myself would like some more detail on this. I'll send you, I'll send you the story that I read. Okay. And, and, and I'll do, actually, I'll do some research uh, to get the, the full details. On we've it. actually, we've actually talked about like, should we do a story on it at, at laptop and Tom's guy? Like why are, why? Cause windows store has been around a long time. Mm-hmm. Like now with windows 10 S there might be a somewhat of additional incentive for, depending on the adoption of windows 10 S somewhat of an incentive for the, for the company, you know, for companies to software publishers to get into the windows store. But when you talk about the windows store, you're going back more than two years, right? Because you're going back even to windows eight days when there was a store, right? So, and windows phone eight before that. So windows has had a store for a long time and there's been an option to be in it for a long time. And yet even now, a lot of the really key apps you cannot get that way. And and there's a number of reasons why I find that bizarre um, considering there's Project Sierra, maybe? That might have been the image recognition project. I don't remember. But I think it's Sierra uh, where you can take a an Android APK and uh, basically upload it direct to the Windows Store for uh, zero cost. So it there's a number of reasons why I feel that's kind of bizarre. I think the the uh, Windows mess uh, what is it Facebook Messenger that's in the Windows Store for Win Ten I think is a a port of their iOS app. Yeah, I mean it's just it's amazing that like for example some of the major applications that by the way students would use at this moment are not in the Windows. 10 window store snapchat so if you're stu- if you're now i don't know they didn't say that they were necessarily targeting older students but i think they did sort of imply that college students might use this there are many college design students who use window uh, adobe creative cloud mm-hmm. there's no adobe creative cloud there's photoshop elements in the window store you know just 
a ton of applications that people rely on, including especially development applications. I mean, even at this moment, all the Visual Studios, all of Microsoft's own programming software is not in the Windows Store. So, although they're supposed to bring it, but it's definitely a huge limitation. Yeah. Fortunately, for those who buy a notebook that has Windows 10 S on it, they will be able to, at least I think for the first year, get a free, this is what Microsoft was saying, they'd be able to get a free upgrade to Windows 10 Pro. Yeah, I heard that. And I think that's a reaction to this to this issue. Um, you know, but obviously Microsoft is hoping they want Windows 10 S to catch on. And all I can say is the only real, like the only real reason, there's no real reason I think that a, a school, well, a school, I could see the point of a school saying, you know what, it's we don't want these kids to infect their computers that we're giving them if the school was distributing it. Yeah. So the Windows Store is safe. But they don't need a special version of Windows to do that because there's an, there's administrative controls and permissions to prevent that. Right. So, but on, on what, regular Windows. So what Microsoft is responding to with this though is uh, the the perceived lack of this problem on Chrome OS. Yeah, but yeah. So what, the thing is. But this is exactly why people, why why a lot of people don't like Chrome OS is uh-huh. because you can't install anything. Um, it's not Windows. Mm-hmm. But um, and FYI, the other thing that people should know about Windows 10 S is you can't. No matter you, you'll never be able to really use another browser other than Edge. I'm gonna saying really. I'll put this. I'll put this in quotes. Edge has to be the default browser, and you can only install another browser from the Windows Store. Right now, you cannot get Firefox and you cannot get Chrome uh, from from the Windows Store. But not only, but even if Google decided to try and make Chrome available through the Windows Store, apparently it would not be the Chrome the same Chrome. It would have to use the rendering engine from edge it would basically be a wrapper around edge bizarre just like on ios chrome is a basically a wrapper around safari like apple apple does it apple you can make it you could make a browser for for iphone to compete with safari but it's still actually really using the rendering engine of safari so um, so, you know, it's, uh, I can see a lot of people not being happy with that. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, Windows 10 S to me, it sounds like it's something that Microsoft is doing to try and kind of boost their kind of try and boost their ecosystem and the benefit for the school might be, I can't see a benefit for an individual. The benefit for the schools and schools may not really care about students being, being able to install a lot of software. If the software they want is in the store, right. Um, is that hopefully they're getting, hopefully it's having some impact on the pricing. Although 
the the cost that we saw for some of these education notebooks was not cheap at all. So I'm not really sure. Like the the Surface laptop, which is coming with this, is nine ninety nine to start. So it's not like you're you're getting a, a break on the cost of the Windows license. Um, but you though know, to maybe be, though to be fair, a uh, a piece of hardware from the uh, the operating system vendor, you're not really going to get a. It's not. Uh, it's not like Microsoft's yeah. getting a deal on the licensing fee for Windows no. from themselves. So I I know, but I was looking at like H. I think HP announced a laptop that has Windows 10s, and it was like no cheaper than one without. Interesting. Um, and a similar one without. So it's not like. Um, but I think the other thing is that if it's a school, they're getting aren't they getting office 365 and teams? Yeah, I think so. So, so that's, that's a huge benefit. Right. They're getting that. Exactly. Cause that's very, that's, that could be very costly. Right. So, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, how this does. It'll be interesting to see how the, the surface laptop does. Cause we've talked about it before that there's a, obviously still a huge market for non convertibles. So, um, and then, um, at build like right after this they uh they announced the availability for two developer kits for their windows holographic headsets so they're available for pre-order right now um on the microsoft store which is pretty cool one from uh the 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 original blue one the the acer one right that you've got a picture of yourself wearing and then i think one from HP? Yeah. Uh, so which is only like I'll 30 close, bucks more. I'll close with this. I don't I haven't tried the HP one. Supposedly there's what I've he- heard from some of the vendors is that there's not a lot of difference between the different headsets that uh-huh. they, you know, are pretty similar on the inside. Um, but I will say this, I tried the Acer one and I loved the software that Microsoft had. mm mm-hmm. Mhm but things were really quite blurry. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it, the image was not sharp. It's a device de- designed for developers. It's, you know, but they make it sound like they're going to come out with it in December and just like sell it to consumers with, the, with uh, pretty much the same thing, but with, with the controller. Boy, I hope not. And uh, it's definitely, there's a lot of, I don't know if the blurriness is the device or the software or just trying to save on processing because things that you like, you would stare at directly at an object and it would get sharp, but everything in your peripheral vision. And, and when you first stare at something, it would be blurry and then sharpen. Got it. Well, so I, uh, uh, I've got one of the HPs on its way. Uh, so, 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 so yeah, let, let, let me know, uh, how that, how that goes because, absolutely. uh, we, you know, um, but, it, it's good that they're getting into that price range. Yeah, for of, sure. You know, it's going to be like four hundred dollars for a kit o- over the holiday, which makes it cheaper than Oculus. Yeah, and much cheaper than HTC Vive. So, so anyhow, where lots can, to see. I would say, where can people find uh, all your content about all so this stuff? So people can read my opinion on Windows 10s and more at laptopmag.com and tomsguy.com for the things that aren't laptop and Windows related. 
And I want to especially tell everyone that uh, starting on the 31st or so is going to be our coverage of Computex in Taipei. Uh, and that's going to have a lot of exciting new products. I always look forward to uh, to Computex from you. It's always it's always fun, and uh, I look forward to the year when you get to go. Yeah, right. I I definitely want that to happen. <laughs> We've just because it, it because it is a very cool show to go to, and it's cool to go to Taiwan. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> We've just got to convince somebody that uh, it's worth sending us. <laughs> anyway, uh, good to good to talk about some Microsoft stuff with you. Um, obviously, um, uh, you will not be with us next week because you will be at Computex. Um, but we will still have an F5 show. And then uh, when you get back, we will get to do... One of my favorites, the uh, Computex recap, because you always stumble across some bizarre and wonderful things. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we will not see you next week, but we will see you back in two. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. Some of the best gaming accessories you can find, whether it be full laptops and systems or uh, keyboard and mouse. Uh, they've got some really great um, bundles going on right now, um, designed specifically, uh, obviously, for gamers with their their uh, multicolored keyboard and the, the Mamba tournament mouse and all kinds of uh, uh, tournament bundles available right now, and you can find those bundles and all of their other products by going to f5live.tv slash razor. Now, there's no, there's no pretending at this point that uh, video game streaming is a big deal. Um, it's... It's huge. Uh, Amazon spent a ridiculous amount of money to purchase Twitch. Uh, it was one point something billion dollars for the platform. And Twitch by far owns game streaming. Um, YouTube has tried to do YouTube gaming, but, you know, they've eh, done okay with it. Um, Microsoft acquired Beam and built it direct into the Xbox One and Windows 10. And it's certainly having success because it's so easy. Uh, Microsoft is using it themselves for their stuff. Uh, their Performance is supposed to be better on Beam as well, less latency. Right. Um, Microsoft is using it for their Xbox ambassador shows and stuff. They've moved off of Twitch onto Beam. Um, and, you know, the convenience of being able to just hit the Windows key and then the G and it comes up on the screen to go that that's wonderful. Uh, but it's still not Twitch. <laughs> it Twitch is still the place for game streaming, but there are lots of people obviously who would like to challenge that dominance this week. Um, an interesting new challenger entered the fray. <laughs> uh, 
and it's Facebook. A little surprising. Um, they have not gone Google or Microsoft's route in building out a big platform or buying an existing one and integrating it into the world. Facebook decided to start with ESL, which is the largest uh, esports uh, league in the uh, world. And they will, over the next year, be broadcasting 5,500 hours of uh, esports tournaments to Facebook Live. That's a pretty big test market. What do you think? Well, you know, people will uh, people will tune in. Why not? Absolutely. ESL is one of the things that people like to watch. And if uh, that content is over on Facebook Live, it seems like people will go where the content is. Now, the question is, will more people do their streaming on Facebook Live? I don't know. Depends on how easy it is and, you know, what streaming platform you're using. The software that we use, obviously, for those of you who are watching us on Facebook Live, this, the software that we use makes it very easy to go to Facebook Live, but not everything does. Some things make Twitch easy and nothing else. Um, for me, going to Twitch is just as easy as going to Facebook Live. Um, it's Twitch just isn't our market. Uh, but will will more people, because ESL is there, will more people go to Facebook Live? I don't know. Is it exclusive in any way? Could you get ESL somewhere else? So it's a great question. 1,500 of the 5,500 hours will be Facebook Live exclusive. So about, what's that, 25-ish, just short of 25%, um, or just over, 15, 3, 45, 6. So uh, yeah, just right around... Uh, 25% of it will be Facebook Live exclusive. The rest will still have the ability to stream wherever they want to, likely Twitch. Um, but, I mean, if you're going to watch 1,500 of the 55 hours on Facebook Live, it seems like you're already there. Stick around. Yeah. So I guess it depends how how well the exclusive works out for right. them. Uh, one problem I guess I would have as a as a viewer and a content creator is it's not, at least as far as I've seen, it's not very easy to find archive to search and find archives of Facebook Live videos. Yes. How, however, on uh, on Twitch you only get forty five days, even as a as a partner, you get thirty as a non partner and forty five as a partner. So with with this Facebook, is why I like YouTube. I would say with Facebook or YouTube, or I have no idea how Beam works, but with Facebook and YouTube, there's no, there's no cutoff on your backlog. I'm not aware. I would. That's an interesting point. I haven't really thought about it. Uh, we will. We are planning to do an article, sort of comparing the different services. So okay. I'll make sure that we include that fact, like how long does before they dump your your stream. Right. But. Uh, you know, as as if 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 I were doing streaming, I if I were doing game streaming, I would definitely want to make sure there was a copy of everything on YouTube, because it's the it will get you the best search. Absolutely, and the uh, uh, Twitch actually has an export to YouTube feature built into it. Yeah. So, you know, 
And YouTube never erases anything. So Right. Even if you tell it to delete. <laughs> you because, never get rid of anything. Because God YouTube. forbid you tell it to delete and then tell it, then go, oops, that's not what I meant to do and try and upload it again right away. YouTube's like, no, that's we've already got that video. <sighs> <laughs> so, you know... Listen, Facebook's got to do what they got to do to try and stay relevant. The other thing that they're doing, you know, is that they're going to be airing uh, some Major League Baseball games as well mm. on Facebook. That was announced the other day. I was not aware gonna, of that. That's a big deal. I think they're going to have a game of the week or something on Facebook. What are they stealing that from uh, From Periscope, MLB. right? Oh, the idea of it? Uh, no, probably the contract. Because I think Twitter did that last year. Oh, yeah. So they probably stole the contract from Twitter. I mean, I'm a baseball fan, and it doesn't really appeal to me that, like, I'm going to watch on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Eh. Now, maybe if I was a cord cutter and that was the only way I could see the game and if the game I really wanted to see. That's what I was just thinking. (laughs) If you didn't have another way to watch it, you'd be pretty excited, I bet. Yeah, that's (laughs) the only way. But uh, if with other options, it doesn't seem like... Yeah. that exciting but who knows uh you know anything to bring the audience in they've got a now that facebook and well i was gonna say in twitter but twitter's got a lot of problems now that facebook you know in a way facebook is becoming for what its original purposes facebook has become a little bit passe like still very popular but i don't think the kids are into facebook anymore oh yeah for sure not so they've got to find ways to stay relevant. Yeah, and if they can bring in ESL, that'll be a, a good way to bring relevance back to the platform, especially for younger people. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see if it works out for them, if it's just an experiment, or if they're hoping to uh, to challenge the big purple beast and see, and see if they can uh, do any damage to Twitch, or if we're just... Screw it around. You you never quite know with Facebook. Sometimes they just do things to do things, and sometimes they're legitimately trying to challenge the big guy. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, obviously, it'll be a little while because uh, we've got you know fifty five hundred hours of broadcast from ESL <laughs> before we'll know if other people start signing up. But it's it's an interesting experiment. Experiment. What? Yeah, that's the word tried to put experiment and experience together into a single word and it didn't quite work. Uh, it's an interesting experiment and uh, maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. We sure thought that YouTube was going to be able to challenge Twitch and uh, it didn't. So. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or uh, let the professionals do it for you because, you know, that's what they do for a living. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 and do appear a couple of times in the new season are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies from blockbusters and high-profile TV shows to um, star games that has possibly some of the worst green screen I've seen in anything ever uh, are all available. Uh, The way it usually works is for a couple bucks, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to exist, and laugh. Uh, From time to time, they mix things up and they do something different. 
like a live show. Their next one is June 15th. It'll be in movie theaters nationwide, and you can see the Summer Shorts Beach Party, where they will be doing some of the quote-unquote sarcasm quote best of the uh, short films that they've made fun of over the years, and they will do them live in theaters nationwide. Uh, so to find out all of the movies, short films, and live events that are available to you, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. I wonder how long it's been that I've been saying I am going to send you the uh, Springs one. <laughs> and it still has not happened. <laughs> I just realized again that it still hasn't happened. It will, I promise. Anyway, so uh, let's stick around with Facebook for a little bit. <laughs> when uh, Facebook bought WhatsApp, um, you and myself and Nick at the time all discussed the uh, the very likely issues that Facebook <laughs> would face in uh, this acquisition because they made it very clear to the organization that is the harshest on tech mergers, the European Union and the European Commission that they would not be able to or interested in matching up accounts for any reason, including advertising. And then last year, they changed their privacy policy uh, for both products that allowed them to do exactly that. And within hours, an investigation was opened in the EU as to whether or not um, they had been blatantly lied to. Uh, that ruling was compl was uh, given this week, and uh, yes, they believe that they were blatantly lied to, <laughs> because of course that was Facebook's intention. No, we'd never be able to match up a phone number with a Facebook account, even though people give us their phone numbers on their Facebook accounts. It's not possible. Um, so obviously, we all knew that that was nonsense when they said it. The EU now knows that it was nonsense, and they have fined um, Facebook 110 million euros or about 122 million US dollars um, for lying to them, essentially. That's basically what the, the thing said, because they had been lied to. And uh, Facebook believes that they did nothing wrong, however, will not fight this ruling, probably because it cost them more to fight it than to uh, just pay it. So that's an expensive lawyer if it's going to cost you over 110 million, 122 million dollars to pay a lawyer or lawyers. I, I don't know. It it seems like one of those things that isn't going to be won. <laughs> so you're going to pay a legal team and then have to pay the fine anyway. Yeah. And or they just know that they actually did it. <laughs> And they're, yeah. yeah, yeah, and they legitimately don't have any way to defend themselves. Yeah, yeah, that seems pretty likely. So uh, they're they're not going to challenge it. Of course, of course, this was going to happen when they changed the privacy policy last year. You and I talked about that that it was going to be a huge problem for them. This is well. What this calls attention to is that privacy policies are only good for as long as the company wishes to uphold them, uh -huh. which means that they're not binding. Yeah. They're only, they're only good for the moment in which they're published. Yeah. 
Well, or, or until they're replaced. So, exactly. you know, it, it's unfortunate um, because, I, you know, I don't really, in the U.S., I don't think there are any, I, I don't know if there's anywhere any applicable law to say, like, your privacy, you know, you're bound by this until X. But, you know... Um, Unfortunately, I mean, to be fair, it's not like they sold the information, right? They're just matching up one one set with another. It's true. And, you know, it's not to to me. The actual behavior is neither unexpected nor uh, particularly terrifying. But to the E to the EU or the European Commission in particular, um, I don't even think they necessarily care that it's happening. I think they're mad that they were lied to. Yeah. Facebook just should have been honest about that from the start. Yeah. I mean, really? Of, that's, that's of course. That simple. Of course we're buying WhatsApp because it's popular and there's information in there. Of course that's why we're buying it. And of course, we're going to figure out how to match up user accounts because we don't employ morons. <laughs> that yeah. that would could have been their answer. And what was the EU going to do? Well, you know what? We didn't think that you'd be able to do it because then they'd be the morons because, of course, they'd be able to do it. <laughs> it's just it's such a bizarre story. The whole the whole thing is so bizarre. It, it's as if the commission set Facebook up for failure almost purposefully because <laughs> they knew yep. they knew Facebook wasn't going to go. Yup. We're spending a couple million dollars so that we can track you in new ways. Of course, that's not the answer they were going to give, but of course that's what they were doing. <laughs> oh, just it's, it's a funny story. That's mostly the reason why I wanted to write about it. Cause I think it's funny <laughs> and it's, it's a lot of money for um, a single sentence that was uh, obviously nonsense when they said it. Yeah, well, it wasn't wise to promise that, and they're paying the price. Good for them that they have that kind of money to throw around. Yeah, without even really being concerned about it. Oh, 122? Yeah, we won't, we won't fight that. Great. Wonderful. That's not frightening at all. I mean, that would have been... Just to put that at some scale, that would have been enough money to to pay off uh, Gawker Media's uh, lawsuit debt to Hulk Hogan. Uh huh. And and that company would then still be in business. So that's a fascinating way of looking at that. Yep. This week's DRM Not Included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Groove Music. All the music you love, play ad-free from one of the largest catalogs on the planet. You can listen anywhere you want, whether it be your uh, Windows 10 PC, your iOS device, Android, your Windows phone, your Xbox, or just in a web browser, basically anywhere you are you can stream your music plus of course you have the ability to download tracks on up to three devices 
so that you don't have to use your data plan if you're still on one of those limited data plans out there. Um, you don't have to use it to stream, which would be uh, obviously fantastic. And of course, you know, on the airplane and for me, the gym, all the places where the internet sucks, uh, you can still listen to your music. You can create playlists and radio stations and all the things that that streaming uh, makes possible. Plus, you can get a 30-day free trial right now by going to f5live.tv slash groove. So speaking of music streaming, let's talk about Pandora. And uh, the bizarre ups and downs that Pandora has experienced. Uh, chances are, when you first got your first smartphone, Pandora was the music streaming service you knew about. There were others at the time, but Pandora certainly seemed to captivate people, um, particularly because it was like a regular radio, right? You, you'd listened for free, there were ads, you couldn't quite choose what you were going to listen to, but you could certainly do better than a regular terrestrial radio station uh, in being able to focus down what it was you listened to. If there was a song you hated, you didn't have to listen to it every 65 minutes like you do on terrestrial radio. Uh, there were a lot of nice features that you just couldn't get on radio. Similarly, Sirius and XM Radio uh, had a, an interest, a unique business model, right? They, for a small fee, you could listen ad-free to more traditional radio stations, but it didn't matter where you were. You could be in Tampa, you could be in Las Vegas, it didn't matter. It was the same stations everywhere. Plus, you could listen to Howard Stern, since he wasn't allowed on terrestrial radio, and Oprah and Martha Stewart, and all of those people had unique content on Sirius and or XM. Um, their business models were not um, the strongest, and they ended up having to merge to, to keep going, but they've kept going and, and recovered nicely. Pandora, on the other hand... Uh, Spotify and Microsoft and Apple have done some damage to their uh, <laughs> to their bottom line, and they've been looking for a buyer, and that buyer might just be SiriusXM. Kind of an interesting merger, don't you think? Well, it's good for Sirius, and if Pandora needs the money, it's good for them. I mean, it's, actually, it's probably good for it's good for both parties. Really, mm -hmm. I mean, they should do it because Pandora because. So Sirius has something that nobody else has. They have satellite radio, but the need for satellite radio is getting smaller and smaller and sure. smaller, uh, especially now that people have ways of getting the internet, you know, have smartphones. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that is could actually be the worst for the real possible death knell for satellite radio is unlimited data plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that we're seeing a, a surge in unlimited data plans, if, of course, the companies continue to offer them sure. uh, and they work, uh, you know, I think the number one thing that people would want to do is be able to stream things in the car mm -hmm. that they haven't downloaded before. Sure. Well, then that means that you can get podcasts and all kinds of things and, uh, you know, even online radio stations. So the need for which, satellite... Which Sirius XM does have uh, stations streaming. Some, some of or maybe all of the Sirius XM stations can be streamed. Yeah, well, that might be their whole model, right? Because, I mean, the need to have... I mean, 
it's kind of a, a cost to entry, right? Because to get satellite radio, you have to actually have the radio in your car, right? You can't just you can't just subscribe. You have to have a satellite radio receiver. Yeah, you have to have hardware. It may not have may not be built into your vehicle. There's uh, the little suction cup add-ons. You can get it Best Buy for like nineteen bucks. But yes, you do have to have hardware for it. So you have to have hardware for it. It's obviously probably expensive for them to maintain compared to the cost of having streaming. So absolutely. It does seem sort of like a vestigial organ of techn- on technology like terrestrial at least terrestrial radio is totally free. Right. They have that going for them. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about how our iHeartRadio is in big trouble. Yep. And and think about it iHeartRadio, I mean Sirius has subscribe subscription but the incentive for people to subscribe is pretty small. Right. Unless they're just huge Howard Stern fans or something. So sure. that, I mean, that's probably a lot of how they've survived as long as they have is with some of the exclusive con- content they have, like, like Howard Stern. Yeah. So it makes sense for them to try and, and get a stronger foothold on uh, internet streaming, you know, on music streaming. On the other hand, Pandora, they would, you know, has kind of fallen behind. Sure. So, but if you can take, if you can take the, the curated content from Sirius XM and the uncurated content from Pandora, and throw it all together into a single platform, boy, that sounds a lot like Apple Music, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's. I mean, it sounds like a smart move for both for both parties. They need some kind of a spark, you know, maybe they have some kind of a better together story. Yeah. Like this only really makes sense if they find some way to combine the products. Yeah. Yeah. It can't be, it can't be two separate products owned by the same company. They've got to figure out how to beat Apple at their own game and have more than one curated radio station, which Sirius XM already has a catalog of curated stations and then the uncurated section of Pandora. I think, I think that would be a, a really good pairing of content. Yeah. You know, especially if Pandora can do a, a a more traditional, nope, a more modern, not a traditional because they're kind of the traditional music streaming. They can do a more modern. uh, I want to listen to what I want to listen to. (laughs) Um, then this this pairing could be nearly unbeatable. Yeah, well, um, I wish them luck. Maybe they can find some way. I mean, because internet in the car is a bit of a, a dice, still a bit of a dicey proposition. I mean, mm-hmm. generally it's been pretty good. But, you know, you got to make sure wherever you drive you get it. If they could find a way of, of bringing some of the uh, some of the customization of Pandora to satellite, that would also be a big deal. That would be awesome. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, uh, a report said that Pandora, after a particular event last week, um, that Pandora was giving themselves basically uh, thirty days to figure out what to do, and uh, that's a week in now, a little over a week in now. So uh, they've got. About three weeks to figure out what their plans are. So uh, it's likely that this will happen and will happen quickly. So 
my guess is the end of this story um, happens relatively quickly. Um, so I don't think we're going to have to wait too long to find out if this is the truth. This sounds like a merger that is actually could be good for the market and good for good for consumers. Good for everybody. Yeah, it, it sounds yeah. like it's something that's good for everybody involved because uh, obviously they're not going to charge 80 bucks a month for the subscription because they'd go away by Thursday. <laughs> so they've got to be competitive on price and they'd be offering something that nobody else is offering completely. So many times when we talk about mergers, we're talking about stuff where, you know, maybe it's actually going to be harmful to the consumer, like uh, AT&T buying T-Mobile a couple right. of years ago. Yep. Does anybody think that would have resulted in better choice or better prices for consumers? Um, uh, but this is actually the opposite case where this, this could actually end up with a better product for people. Yeah, absolutely. Something that's not currently being offered in a very wide marketplace. Because I we could we could sit here for the next ten minutes to name competitors in this space, but nobody would be offering what a combined Sirius XM and Pandora would be able to offer. So I I'm hoping it happens, and I'm hoping they implement the thing that we were just talking about because that would that would set them apart from everybody in a wonderful way. Well, that is our show i stopped myself i did not say that there i did now but i stopped myself i heard it in my head and i stepped on it real quick uh if you have joined us live thank you we appreciate it um we i've watched a number of uh viewers in the chat room this evening thank you for uh joining us this evening if you're joining us uh on subscription that is just fine. If you're live, you can subscribe as well to this and our other shows by going to plughitslive.com and clicking the subscribe link in the menu. Uh, from there, you can see all of the shows that we offer. Um, so please subscribe there. Our special events feed is about to light up pretty hard over the coming weeks. Um, I've got a whole slew of uh, interviews that are rendering as we speak. And uh, we'll start publishing in the next uh, day or so. So uh, watch for those. Uh, we had some really, really great interviews at Collision this year. And we made some really interesting contacts that uh, is likely to bring some new shows to our little family of content over here, which we're pretty excited about. Uh, one in particular, I can't wait to tell Abram about it's it's going to be fascinating. Um, so all kinds of interesting stuff happening uh, around because of Collision. So definitely uh, keep up with us on social media. So we'll be posting all this stuff and subscribe to the special events. Um, Avram will not be with us next week. I'm going to talk somebody into joining me uh, for the show next week. Uh, and he will be back in two where we will get to talk about um, Computex, which we're very, I'm always excited to hear about the wrap up from that. But uh, until next week, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And I will see you next week, and Avram will see you in two. Ciao.